Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. Clones, what's going on? Happy Friday. Oh, wait, it's not Friday. It is for me. (laughs) (laughs) Hope you backed it in. Hope you denimed up. I awarded myself a long holiday weekend. Anyway, what's popping, Twitter? Three excellent guests. We had former NBAer TJ Ford in. He told his incredible story. We had Green Bay Packer running back Ty Montgomery. He joined us after Packers OTAs and Nashville Predators Center. Colton Sissons came on after the hat trick that sent Smashville to the Stanley Cup Finals. Tons of show. Brock Osweiler's game tape. Kelvin Benjamin going Kelvin Entman. And the body slam heard round the world. We got to get it all in in 40 minutes or less. Alvi, let's get it. I've made that very clear over the years. It is not a political radio show. It's a sports radio show. Now, that's not to say that I don't have political opinions. Because I do. I just choose not to share them with you. I've made that clear 1,000 times, but I'll say it again. It is a sports radio program. Because it's a radio program, it also means it's an audio program. Radio, even in its purest form, or in its purest form, is a theater of the mind. You've heard that before, I'm sure. And some truly remarkable theater obviously crossed my desk, and I feel like it's my job to get this production on stage. Now, here's the thing. This is important. An important distinction to make before we get into this. I don't give a damn about the politics of it. At least not for the program. You know, I've got my thoughts on this, but not for here. The politics do not matter, even with this story right here. Now, this particular audio involves a political candidate in Montana. I don't even need to say, or I'm not going to say, what party he's affiliated with. You know already, or you can do your own research on this. Once again, for our purposes, it's just not important. What is important is the recording itself and how unreal it is. So allow me to lay it out for a minute. And again, if you're feeling triggered or you want to hit me with a stick to sports tweet or email, just do us all a favor and sit this one out. We'll all be better for it. All right, so what you're about to hear is a journal from The Guardian, Ben Jacobs, attempting to interview a House of Representatives candidate in Montana. Greg Gianforte, the interview takes place behind closed doors ahead of a public event that Gianforte was scheduled to speak at. The audio is from the cell phone of the journal. He asks Gianforte about a health care bill. Again, all the specifics surrounding the bill and party affiliations are a Google search away. I'm not here to break that down. So if you want more political context, go get it yourself. Here's the reporter, Ben Jacobs, asking Greg Gianforte a question about a bill. And what yeah, you we'll talk about? to you about that later. Yeah, but there's not going to be time. I'm just curious if okay, you have to speak right with now. Shane, please. But you don't. Just... I'm sick and tired of you guys. The last Jesus time you came Christ. here, you did the same thing. Get the hell out of here. Get the hell out of here. The last guy did the same thing. You were the guardian? Yes, and you just broke my glasses. You, the last guy did the same damn thing. You just body slammed me and broke my glasses. Get the hell out of here. You'd like me to get the hell out of here, I'd also like to call the police. Can I get you guys' names? Hey, you gotta leave. He just body slammed me. You gotta leave. Hey, don't worry, I'll play that again. In fact, I'll probably play that a thousand times again. But before we break that down a second time, know what you're listening to. 
I mean, understand this. There's so much to unpack here, but let me start right here. Starting with the start of the tape, when the reporter asks his question and then is told it'll be answered later, and then he tries to re-ask the question, stating that there's not going to be time later on. Then Gianforte tells him, speak with Shane, please. Shane is Shane Scanlon, a Gianforte spokesperson. So at that point, a lot of journalists might give up, but not Jacobs. Credit dude for staying in that fight. Except he might not have if he knew that staying in that fight was going to lead to a fight. Well, if you want to call that a fight. There were just two hits. Him hitting you and you hitting the ground. Yeah, speak right with now. Shane, please. But you don't. Just... I'm sick and tired of you guys. Now, in terms of the broken glasses, we'll get to that in a minute. Trust me, we'll get to that. But if we run this back, I mean, this time with special attention to the body slam. I've got a few questions about that body slam since I could only hear it and not see it. Most obvious question being, how many tables did dude get slammed through? If you listen again, it sounds like the rock slamming Triple H through a table or 14. You guys, the last you time you came here, you did the same thing. Get the hell out of here. Get the hell out of here. The last time I did the same thing, you were the guardian. Yes, and you just broke my glasses. The last guy did the same damn thing. You just body slammed me and broke my glasses. You the last guy did the you just body slam me and broke my glasses? Is that all? Just your glasses. How is this guy not dead or paralyzed? How were his glasses the only thing that were broken? Ben Jacobs must be made of steel. Did anybody expect this guy to say, you just broke my glasses? I expected this guy to say, you're paying for my funeral, psycho, before rolling over and dying. Look, I'm just glad this guy's okay. More than glad, I'm freaking shocked. That sounded like a murder. One more time, and then listen to the very end. Presumably the PR guy, Shane Scanlon, who says, you gotta leave. You just body slammed me and broke my glasses. Get the hell out of here. Can I get you guys' names? Hey, you gotta leave. He just body slammed me. You gotta leave. You gotta leave. Oh, really? No, I, I thought that I would stick around for another body slam. It's quite a thing to say. You got to leave. Yeah, yeah, no problem. I'll leave. Who's providing the stretcher or the wheelchair or the ambulance or a body bag? When's the funeral? Who's delivering my eulogy? So Gene Forte has been formally charged as of today with misdemeanor assault. How that's not attempted homicide, I have no idea. But he's scheduled to appear in court on June 7th. How that all plays out is anybody's guess. I'm just glad Ben is still alive and still able to tweet. He tweeted, Greg Gianforte just body slammed me and broke my glasses. At last check, 25,000 retweets, 33,000 likes. Man, the body slam heard around the world. You've heard of likes to fight guy. Now you know likes to fight politician. I mean, my man caught this guy with a forearm shiver or something. That does not sound like a good, strong push. Also, another one of the witnesses I heard talk about it. And she was talking about how she heard this sound and she swung over to look at it and she saw feet flying up through the air. 
I mean, what an incredible description. But didn't it sound like that, too? I mean, that sounded like this guy went Mike Curtis on this dude. Hey, Rome, what is the nerdiest thing that you could possibly say after you get the crapped kick out of you? Answer, you broke my glasses. Look at the bright side. At least your calculator is still intact, nerd. I mean, it takes a lot to make a politician. A politician look like a badass. Keith in St. Paul, I'm not going in that direction. Hey, can I tell you something? Regardless of the line of questioning, regardless of this guy not wanting to answer the question, in no way can you justify that kind of behavior. The dude was doing his job. He was there to cover the event. There were questions that had to be asked. He tried to ask the question. The guy didn't want to answer the question. He tried to ask the question again. The guy then said, talk to my PR person. And then the reporter did his job and tried to stand in. And it got him body slammed and got his glasses cracked. Can't have that. That's not justifiable. He was not, quote, badgering him. He was not threatening him. Rome. That sounded like a horrible body slam. Why didn't Ben cry? Signed, The Grape Lady. I can't breathe. Stop. Oh, no. Oh, dear. I think she's actually hurt. No, I think she is. Oh, no, she's hurt, all right. She can't breathe. Hey, clones, what's up? Let me talk to you about Stamps.com. Stamps saves you time and money, which you can use to grow your business. I can mail any letter, any package, using just my computer and printer, and the mailman will pick it up. I can avoid the hassle of the post office and mail everything from postcards to envelopes to packages domestic or international. You can create your Stamps account in minutes online with no equipment to lease and no long-term commitments. Click Print, mail, and you are done. Unlike the post office, Stamps.com never closes. Print postage for letters or packages at your convenience, 24-7, seven days a week. It's convenient. It's easy. It's reliable. I use Stamps.com because I love how easy it is. I love how convenient it is. I hate going to the post office. I no longer have to. And right now, you too can enjoy the stamp service with a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus postage and digital scale without long-term commitments. Go to Stamps.com. Click on the microphone at the top of the homepage. Type in Rome. Stamps.com. Enter Rome. Stamps.com. Never, ever go to the post office again. That's Stamps.com. Now it's back to our daily jungle. TJ Ford joining us. Go back to the very beginning, TJ. It all started when you were four years old. You and your brother Tim received a couple of little Tykes basketball hoops for Christmas. The two of you would play nonstop. What were those battles like back in the day? It was incredible. So, you know, in, in Baytown, Texas, we was living in a trailer house, and I remember coming home for, for Christmas, and we opened our gifts, and the same kind of little goals that you have in the house for your kids that kind of go up and down. Uh, my dad bought two of them. My, my brother was a big Magic Johnson fan. I was a huge Michael Jordan fan, and we kind of set it up like it was full court, and, you know, we did that probably for like two days, being very competitive until one of us decided to continue to dunk the ball and actually break the goal. 
And that was the last of that. <laughs> That's great. Now, you mentioned your dad. You wrote in the Players' Tribune, your father played in rec leagues into his 50s. How much did he love the game, and then how much of that was passed on to you? My dad loved the game. I mean, my dad had a uh, a men's team that they played in men's leagues and men's tournaments throughout the um, city of Houston and, and even traveled with it throughout the state. And my dad is well known around around Houston for playing in those type of leagues. My dad was a was a shooter. Uh, couldn't really dribble that good, but you're talking about shooting a basketball. That's what he's known for. And, you know, just being around him, being in the gym, and being around, watching older players play. And, and when I got to high school, he allowed me to actually play in these men's leagues with him before my actual high school season started. So I was able to get that experience of playing against older guys, grown men, and, and uh, at an early age. And I think that was the most helpful for me understanding the, the, the game. TJ Ford joining us. It must have helped because you were a high school legend in Texas, 75-1 and in your final two seasons, and you led Willow Ridge High School to back-to-back state championships. Then you decide to go to Texas, and a lot of people were confused by that because it wasn't a basketball power at the time. So what did your family, you and your family, think of Rick Barnes, and what was his pitch to you? Well, the first thing was during that time period, not like it is today, signing late was, was something big-time athletes wasn't doing at the time. So it was very odd for me to sign in the last uh, the last period in, in the spring. And because I told everyone I wasn't going to sign in late to make sure that I go through the process the correct way, a lot of the major schools just decided not to recruit me. So um, I, only, I had Cincinnati, U of H, um, Texas, and, and Louisville. So... Um, you know, for me, when I got to Rick Bowens, I mean, the recruitment and things that they did, I mean, they were everywhere. Rob Lanier was is a huge part of the process, and we basically became like 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 brothers. I mean, we knew each other very well. He was around all the time, but when he came down to Coach Bowens, I just remember um, my coach, high school coach Ronnie Courtney, he pulled me out of lunch, and Coach Bowens uh, came to the gym, and I just remember we went into the gym, and uh, we sat by the entry inside, just me and him, two chairs, and we talked the entire lunch period and we basically just looked each other in the eyes and he just told me that, you know, he felt I could be the pie piper. You know, yeah. that's the word he used all the time, the pie piper. And the fact that uh, he said it, it would be cool for everyone to stay in the state of Texas if I made this decision. And he felt that I was capable of having that type of career at the University of Texas to be that impactful. And, you know, he looked me in my eyes and he told me that I'm not anything that you're going to start. I'm not saying you're going to do this, but if you do what you're supposed to do and the things that I believe you're capable of doing, you would change your life and you would change the culture in Texas, in the state of Texas forever. And once he said that, I told him, hey, I- I'm all in. I- I'm going to believe you because uh, I know you're going to push me. You're going to help me become better. And I knew I wasn't the player um, that I knew I could be in high school. I know I knew I wasn't complete at all. And that was the biggest thing that when he talked to me, that that's that's what I wanted to hear is who was going to make me better because I didn't think I was an NBA player totally. It was a guarantee lock that I would make it coming out of high school. TJ, for joining us, I mean, every player wants to hear that. How can you make me better? How can you help me? But then there were other things that you couldn't have possibly seen coming. For instance, the summer after your senior year of high school, you were diagnosed with spinal stenosis. What is that? And then what did you think when you heard that? It was very frightening because two weeks before my graduation, the next day after I graduated, I had to be on campus at the University of Texas to attend summer school. But prior to that, you know, we was, we always played, uh, had open gym when our season was over. And, 
you know, I was playing and then my arms and my, my arm, both arms would just go from my shoulders all the way to my hands would go extremely numb and tingling. And I would just take deep breaths and it would go away. I would relax and I continue to keep playing. Well, it got, it was getting worse and worse in this two week period. And I finally decided like I have to tell my dad cause something's not right. So I told my dad and he told coach Bourne. So when I got to, to Texas, I started seeing all these doctors, and that's when I found out I had this spinal stenosis, which is narrowing in my spinal cord, so it's not enough fluid in my in area C3, C4, where I actually end up having surgery um, that protects my spine from bruising. Uh, from, I kept bruising my spine, so uh, it was very scary. You know, I, I didn't even think my, my basketball career in college was going to happen during that this, this summer, so it was it was very frightening. I didn't get to play. I didn't get to work out my my freshman summer, and we were scheduled to have surgery. I couldn't even tell you the type of surgery I was going to have. It was moving so fast, but we did so many tests throughout that summer. I just remember I was supposed to be at the hospital at five in the morning. Coach Barnes was supposed to pick me up. I remember calling him at midnight and say, "Coach, like I don't feel comfortable having the surgery, and I don't feel any of the symptoms anymore. So I don't want to have the surgery." Mm. He said, okay, we won't have it. And he hung up the phone, and the rest is history, and we had a great college career. Yeah, I mean, that's the amazing thing, because you go from thinking, I may not have a college career, to you go to Texas. As a freshman, you're the first player in NCAA history to lead the nation in assists per game, and then you follow that up with an amazing sophomore year where you lead Texas to the Final Four for the first time. In more than 50 years, you're the National Player of the Year, so it's all coming into form. But then you declare for the NBA draft, and the same week you do that, you hire an agent, you're playing in a pickup game at Gregory Gymnasium, you drive to the basket, and then you hit your head off the thigh of Royal Ivy. You hit the floor. What happened next? It was crazy. So, you know, I was so close to the football team, so after our season um, was over, we, we would get with the guys, and we would go in Gregory Gym, and we would mix the teams up, football and basketball, and we would play. I mean... Uh, it was it was a ton of fun. So the gym was super crowded. So when this happened, that was the most frightening thing ever because when I ran into this, I, I still thought I, w- I was curled up um, in my head, but actually I was I was laying flat on the ground. But that was the first time I experienced being paralyzed and not being able to move for man over an hour. And uh, that 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 was man, that was scary. I, I remember it like like yesterday and. Uh, I mean, TJ, that, that feeling it, it, is something I hope nobody ever has to feel. But I just stayed with it. I got healthy after two two weeks. I didn't know, you know, what was going to happen with my draft status wise. I knew I was supposed to be a top five pick. I knew I was projected to to go to Toronto. I knew it would come down between me and, and, and um, Chris Bosh. But when that incident happened, it definitely, uh, you know, would push me to get to the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, I knew the Chicago Bulls was highly interested in, in me. But at the same time, that's when Jay will had the motorcycle accident, so they didn't want to take the risk, and that's how I ended up in Milwaukee, which I'm very thankful for. TJ, you and I, I mean, there's so many more stories and so many more challenges and so many things you had to overcome in the NBA that we don't even have time to get to that I could keep going through. But then in the very end, I mean, you you battle back from a number of injuries, and then you were with the Spurs in 2012, and there's a game against the Knicks, and you and Baron Davis were battling for a rebound. He caught you on a box out. You hit the floor. Again, this time it was different because you knew it might be the end, but you didn't want everybody's last image of you to be going out on a stretcher. So you figured out a way to get off the floor with the help of your teammates. What do you remember about that last trip off the floor? Well, going into every game, um, especially after my, my Al Horford incident in Atlanta, I always said a prayer before the game of just 
you know, if this is my last game, please allow me to walk off the court on my own two feet. And that's the last memory that I want everybody in the arena to have of me. So, um, the Baron Davis, who's a great friend of mine, who's been, been a, a, a great guy since the day I came into the NBA. Um, I was just coming back off an of injury. Uh, I think that was my second game. And when he called me with an elbow, uh, it was a totally different feeling that I, I haven't felt before. So when I, I mean, he didn't do any, it was just a simple, just shove. And uh, my body shut down. I hit the floor. I could not move again. Um, but I just think mentally and, 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 you know, God just giving me the strength. I just took my time and, you know, laying there, my, my body came back quicker than it ever has. And, but at this time, my upper body was was hurting so bad. And, and normally it starts from my my legs. Well, this time it was it was my legs, but I, I got feeling quite quite quickly in about 10, 15 minutes. But my upper body felt like I had a thousand pounds on me. And right then and there, I already knew if this if if it happened again to me, I was going to retire instantly. So um, for me, you know, I remember him asking, "Do you want to be carried off on a stretcher?" And I'm like, "No, just give me some time. I, I want to walk off on my own too." And I remember getting up and and hearing the crowd, you know, cheer. And then I, I really didn't have the strength and I fell back down. I just heard the, ah. Oh. And from that point, I just knew everybody knew that it was really, really serious what, what was going on. And I just told him, just give me a second and, and uh, let me just get my mind right. And, and I said, you know, I'm going to walk. And, uh, you know, with the help of, of the trainers, they was able to, you know, I was able to gain strength and, and walk off the court with their help. But once I got through the tunnel, the feeling in my legs came back and I was able to walk on my own. But I still never felt this feeling in my in my upper body in my life. And I'm, I'm just blessed enough that my brother had actually came up for the game that day. And I just told him walking back to the tunnel that, man, this is it. You know, God allowed me to walk off on my own two feet. And I don't know if I come back and it happened again, if that will happen. So I just retired that day. TJ Ford, my guest. Now, TJ, you were the fourth athlete in Texas history to have a jersey retired. Rick Barnes had said to you, since your jersey is hanging in the rafters, you have to get your degree. You go back to school. Last week, you graduate with a degree in applied learning and development, youth and community studies, a minor in educational psychology. What was it like to go back to school? What does that degree mean to you? Well, going back to school was something that I always uh, been priority on my plate because of my parents. You know, something that they stressed no matter where I went to college is, is, is getting a degree. So being the first uh, person to graduate in my, my family is, is very important. It automatically changed the generation of what our family trees and expectations is. So, you know, even when I was in the NBA, um, I would go back where a lot of we would take summer classes. So it, it's maybe like a two or three window where I just didn't attend school. But um, since I retired, that, was, that became more priority than anything. And we went back and forth on, you know, where I should get my degree because I, my, my main home is in Houston and, you know, I have a wife and I have three kids. So the travel and of being in class every day was very difficult at the time. But um, we considered many different options, but we, we always came back to my jersey being retired. So would it have the same effect? And I think Coach Bournes just went ahead and told me, you know what, it's either you're going to get it from there or you're not. So we made the commitment to be away from my family and, uh, my wife and my kids was very understanding and knew how important it was and they allowed me to be away and the support system that I had over the past, you know, five years has been incredible. And, 
you know, I have to just thank them and I have to thank the, the University of Texas. I have to thank the academic um, department on the basketball side and the football side because everyone was very helpful in, in me going through this process of getting back in school and, and being there full time and getting a degree. So I mentioned Brock Osweiler. He's got me rethinking lots of things, lots of things. Like take TMZ. We say what you want about TMZ, but these folks can turn up a tape. Ray Rice, Donald Sterling, the complete box set of Pac-Man Jones arrests. But even they can't find the tape that Brock Osweiler claims to exist. Check out Captain Checkdown at Brown's OTAs yesterday. This dude also damn near broke the internet when he sent out search parties looking for this white whale. Are you good enough to be a starting quarterback in this league? I mean, regardless Absolutely. of the system. Absolutely. Why? <laughs> I, I think the proof is in the film for the past two years. But, but some people would say the proof's not in the film from last year. It's okay. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait, what? Did I hear that right? Did I hear what I think I just heard? Alvin, run that back one more time. Are you good enough to be a starting quarterback in this league? I mean, regardless Absolutely. of the system. Absolutely. Why? <laughs> I, I think the proof is in the film for the past two years. But, but some people would say the proof's not in the film from last year. It's okay. There's film? There's film. Film that proves that Brock Osweiler can be a starting quarterback in the NFL. Well, wait a minute. If that's true, has my entire life been a lie? If the tape or the film truly does exist, I've got to rethink everything. I mean, is Santa real? What about unicorns? Hell, does Kay Savage actually exist? Did Donovan McNabb really puke at the Super Bowl? Is OJ innocent? Does gum really take an entire decade to digest? Did Madison Baumgartner actually date a girl named Madison Baumgartner? Was 45 hiding in the minor leagues to duck gambling accusations? Does Alvin only have three kids? Is Hawk a real person? Is Jungle Karma nothing more than a coincidence? Are my NHL picks doctored after the fact to fit a narrative that I am never wrong? Am I bringing back the family? No. No, it can't be. Cannot be because none of those things are true. And neither is the abrocalypses claim that some tape is floating around that proves that he is, in fact, a starting quarterback. That there's a tape floating around that proves he's anything other than a bad quarterback. Hey, forget the tape. How about the numbers from last year? Texans fans, you may want to turn away for a minute. 15 TDs, 16 picks, bottom three in yards, yards per attempt, quarterback rating. Yanked for a backup who had thrown all of 19 passes in Tom Savage. Last time we saw this dude, the Pats cleaned his clock. And he threw for 197 yards and three picks. Hell, the Texans hated Brock so much, they paid Cleveland to take him. You know, if you can haul it, you can have it. And when Cleveland got him, he was merely a footnote in Sashi Brown's press release about how stoked they were to get some draft picks from the Texans. Not a quarterback, not a player, but just the draft picks. Look, I know that Brock really couldn't see the field when he went back, but now I'm actually worried that he can't see it all. Period. If the Browns didn't put this dude into concussion protocol the second he spit that nonsense about having tape that proves he's a starting quarterback then they're just being irresponsible and unsafe. Get this dude to a doctor ASAP. And whatever you do, don't let him fall asleep. The game film? It's all in the game film? Bro, that's your winning argument. It's in the game film. Hell, you could have said anything, and it would have been better than, it's in the film. It's in the film. Anything. I mean, try it. 
hey, Brock, why are you good enough to be the team's starting quarterback? I'm tall. I'm really tall. I'll buy that. You are the tallest quarterback in NFL history. I mean, that's something to build on. It's believable. Hey, Brock, are you good enough to be a starting quarterback in the NFL? Absolutely. Absolutely. Why? I know how to deal with adversity. My tattoo artist went grammar fail on my ink when he went with live life to its fullest. I-T apostrophe S. Grammatically incorrect ink. I mean, it happens. But the game film, I mean, the game film, the game film that you're pointing to is why Houston shipped you out of town and all but booked your flight and tipped the movers to get you out of there. The tape says you're a starter. Well, the trade says that you're not. And so do your 15 touchdowns and 16 INTs. So now you sound even worse off the field than you look on it. If I were you, I'd keep my mouth shut and let my terrible play do my talking for me. I mean, if hot air was enough to get you a starting job, Brock, you would have been a pro bowler in Houston. And RG3 would still be starting in Cleveland. It's all right there in the tape. (laughs) I I think the proof is in the film for the past two years. (laughs) (laughs) That's incredible. I mean, one thing for this guy to get all bent out of shape when Peyton Manning came back and took his job. I mean, how laughable does that look right now? (laughs) Even when Pinky was throwing knuckleballs four yards. I mean, remember how Ben out of shape Brock got? Come on, man, really? And that that was allegedly one of the reasons he left Denver? Because they (laughs) did him all wrong? One thing to say you deserve to start over Peyton Manning. And then still another to say you deserve to start in the NFL. Ty Montgomery is my guest. Ty, it's good to have you back. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Great. Great. Ty, thanks for doing the show. You had OTAs this past week, so let me start right there. How did it feel to get back on the field with your teammates? Man, it felt great. Uh, you know, I felt like we all looked really good. We all looked really excited. There was a lot of great energy out there. It was a lot of fun. You know, last season was so interesting, so remarkable in the sense that you started out at wide receiver, then you moved to running back because of injuries, and you made the transition look really, really easy. As you look back on last season, what was the entire experience like for you? Uh, it was a challenge, but it was fun. Uh, I like challenges. Uh, you know, I think challenges test test your character, test your faith, and um, that's what it did. And I was, uh, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate, blessed to have great coaches, great teachers, great teammates that helped the transition, helped me with the transition. Ty Montgomery joining us. One of the coaches was running backs coach Ben Sermons, and he looked at the film of you. And he said the one thing that jumped out to him was the number of tackles that you were able to break. In fact, you averaged 3.27 yards per carry after contact, which was the most in the league for anybody with more than 70 carries. Were you aware of that at the time? And then when you look back at your own film, what do you think and what do you see? At the time, I wasn't aware of that. Um, but when I look back and watch the film, I mean, I definitely I, I want to get better at it. Um, but that, 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 although I wasn't thinking about it in my head, um, that's something that um, I want to continue to grow on. I want to build on because I like to pride myself in being that type of runner that always falls forward, that always fights for the extra yards that are there. Yeah, it's a really impressive number, but then when you run outside the tackles, the number gets even better. You average seven yards after contact, which is it's pretty amazing, really. So when you look at this and you improve upon this, how much of that is about physical toughness and then how much of that is about mental toughness? Um, it's both, honestly. Um, you got to be mentally tough to, to, to stand back there and carry the football and tote it. And uh, you also got to be physically tough 
to do it, um, especially at the running back position, because you actually do so much. Um, pass protection is an area that I, that I definitely want to get better at, but it's not something that that I I did. You know, you never ask to pass protect, but you are asked to carry the football after catch or returning the football. So that's probably the thing I need to get I need to get the most better at. But um, you know, other than that, it's just it's just having fun and running the football and and running hard. You got to be physically and mentally tough. Green Bay Packer running back Ty Montgomery, my guest. You know, one more thought about that. You and I have talked in the past about how you were a running back growing up. So when you come into that role last year, I'm curious, how much of what you were doing as a running back was based on instinct, and then how much of that was based on technique? Honestly, um, it, looking back on it, thinking back on it, almost everything was, was on instinct. Mm-hmm. You know, I was, I was being coached. Um, there were things I was being taught, some techniques I was being taught, but I was learning everything so fast and learning everything on the fly that, you know, once I had the ball in my hands and, you know, it was it was game time, it was time to make make decisions on the fly, it, just, it felt like instincts. I was just doing what, what felt right, what felt natural. Now, you answered one of the biggest questions of the offseason when you decided to keep your number 88. It's a great look to line up in the backfield with double eights on your back. What led to that decision? Um, you know, I just didn't see the need to change it, and I like it. Um, it. It speaks to me. It speaks to who I am, and I think it tells my story of, um, in the NFL and how I got to be back there. Yeah, I like that a lot, actually. That makes sense to me. Now, you officially made the move also to the running back section of the locker room. Jordy Nelson said it was good to see you over there. How does it feel to be in that section of the locker room? Um, it feels good. You know, I, I think it's important to be with the group of guys that I'm going to be spending the most time with. Um, you know, those are guys I'm in meetings with. Um, those are guys I'm, I'm spending time with on the practice field, watching film with, um, guys I'm learning from and guys that that I'm teaching at the same time being, you know, it's, it's kind of crazy being the old guy in the room. But, you know, I'm having to teach those guys some things, but I'm also learning from them at the same time. So it's very important that um, that we bond and that we spend as much time together as we can. Dude, the old guy in the room. I mean, you're entering your third season, and when you consider the amount of time you missed in 2015, does it not feel like you're really entering your second season? And if it feels like you're entering your second season, how does it feel to be the old guy in the room? Yeah, it really does. It, it, it feels like I'm entering my second season, and uh, it's it's really weird being the old guy in the room because you know sometimes I feel like it's not my place to speak up or to say anything. But at the same time, you know um, all the other halfbacks in the room are looking up to me in terms of my experience and being in the league, and they're asking me questions about you know what what is it like playing on Sundays and um, you know just about the playbook. So. You know, I have to embrace that role. And, you know, like I said, I have good teammates and good coaches who have prepared me to, um, to take on this role. And, you know, they obviously have faith in me that, um, that I can do it. Packers running back Ty Montgomery joining us. Now, when you look at Aaron Rodgers and the weapons that you have, and then you add Martellus Bennett, what kind of thoughts do you have about the offense and how good it can be this year? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, you know, I don't want to speak out of turn, and I don't want to, you know, get anybody too anxious or – just write checks that I, that I personally can't cash, but I can tell you that I feel we're going to be pretty special. Um, Martellus Bennett, you brought up his name. I mean, that he, first of all, he's a phenomenal person off the field and on the field just watching him work. Um, you know, he's definitely a guy that, that I look up to and a guy that I respect. I mean, the, the guy is just a beast. It's, it's unreal. I was going to ask you, because this is, in fact, a huge Martellus Bennett house. I love, love Marty B., and I was going to say, if you had some chance to spend some time with him, but it sounds like you have, what do you make of the big yeah. man? Uh, 
man, he he is a guy, like I said, I look up to and I respect him. He he is who he is, and you're going to get the same Martellus Bennett no matter where he is, no matter who he's talking to. You're going to get the same guy. And he's a very, very loving guy. He's very creative. He has a great imagination. You know, I, I love what he does with the Imagination Agency um, and, and the children's book series and everything that he's got going on with that. But you know, I, I just, I, I love his mind and his mindset. I mean, he's just got the attitude of I'm going to be great at everything that I do, and I'm going to be, I'm going to make sure that I'm, I'm the best at doing it. And you know, he always asks the question of why not? Why not be the best? Why not be great? And I just, I love spending time with him and just talking to him. You nailed it. That's exactly the way I would describe him. In fact, you did it much better than I could have. You nailed that. Now, earlier this month, you went to Milwaukee and you shared your story at the Gift of Adoption event. And you and I have talked in the past about your amazing mother, Lisa, and the fact that she was a foster parent to 17 children. So what was it like to be at the Gift of Adoption event? And why is that something that is so important to you? Uh, man, it was it was an honor. Um you know, I got, I got to meet some families, meet some people, um, but it was definitely an honor. Um, it was it was it was a good time, and it was definitely for for a good cause. Um, you know, there are families out there that want to open their home up to children, and you know, for gift of adoption to to do what they do and allow those families financially to be able to continue to afford to do so. It's just it's awesome and it's incredible. It's an amazing event, an amazing story, and we've talked about your mother, as I mentioned, Lisa, who's absolutely incredible. You know, before I let you go, though, Ty, let me ask you about a video I saw. You Instagrammed a video of your golf swing earlier this month. And while the backswing <laughs> may be a little lower than most, it certainly seems to work for you. How are you feeling about your golf game these days? Uh, I'm Honestly, I've kind of been in a slump the past, past week and a half. You know, I started hitting the ball really well. And then, I mean, I don't know if you play, but... Uh, it kind of gets to a point where you're like, oh, if I tweak this just a little bit, then I'll be hitting the ball even better. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're not hitting the ball right. You're trying to get back in the groove. So, you know, I'm, I'm definitely, pun intended, getting back into the swing of things. But uh, it's a lot of fun, and I, I really enjoy the game. I'm actually playing in the uh, men's day scramble later on today. So I'm looking forward to it. So to answer your question, that's exactly why I don't play. That's exactly why I don't play. Man, it's frustrating. It's hard. And if you can't commit to it, then it's not fun. That's one thing, like you said, if I just make this tweak or that tweak, I know I can get this thing back. But like anything else, there's no shortage of people that are there to help you. And when you put that thing up, there are all these Instagram golf coaches that came out of the woodwork that couldn't wait to weigh in. And you said, hey, listen, whatever you do, I don't really need your help, but that didn't stop them from giving it to you anyway. What do you make of folks that when you put it out there, I don't want your help, they try to help you anyway? Uh, you know, I, just, I guess there's nothing you can really do about it. You know, I guess that's some people's personalities, you know, whether they have good intentions or bad intentions, they can't help but correct somebody else's mistakes. Um, you know, I guess it, I just, that's just part of life. And being a professional athlete, you're on a platform where a lot of people see what you do, so that means a lot more people are going to want to weigh in their opinion on, on the things that you do. But, you know, it, it, it doesn't really bother me too much. But, I mean, like you said, you, you definitely notice it. <laughs> Game one of the Stanley Cup Finals is Monday. Colton Sissons is my guest. Colton, it's great to have you on. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Really nice to have you. Thanks for doing it. Now, it's been a couple of days since you scored that hat trick in Game 6 to send the Preds to the first Stanley Cup Final in franchise history. (laughs) Let me stop right there. That's an amazing sentence. What's it feel like to be the guy who did that and make history? Uh, It feels great, man. Um, our, Our organization and our city has been waiting a long time. 
um, to, to come this far and uh, to have a banner being lifted and have a chance at winning the Stanley Cup. So it felt great. Your first goal of that game made it 2 nothing, and then you scored in the third <clears> period <throat> to give the team a 3-1 lead. But then Anaheim, and you had to know they'd have a run in them. they come back. they tied up at three apiece. And then your third goal with six minutes left gave the team the lead for good. Can you take me through that play? What happened? And then what was the noise like in the barn, in the arena when that happened? Yeah, we just um, just had a penalty kill um, that we'd had. It just expired. And um, Young Croc and I were kind of on a two-on-two. actually tried to make like a one-on-one move and um, kind of turned it over right to my own guy. Um, he drove it down the wall, and I kind of got lost on the backside. And uh, he put it right on my stick for a one-timer. And then the place erupted, obviously. It was wild. Colton Sisson's joining us. I mean, it, it, the whole thing is wild, really. I mean, it's been such an interesting ride for you in the sense that you were a healthy scratch as recently as February and March, but here you are scoring enormous goals for the team when they need it most. I would imagine it would have been easy to get discouraged, but it didn't seem like you did. So knowing that, what's it feel like to be where you are right now? Yeah, obviously it went through uh, some challenges this season. It was my first full um full season in the NHL and went through some spurts there where I was getting healthy scratched and just couldn't find my way out into the lineup and kind of just stuck with it just kept my nose to the grindstone and kept working and, and just hoped that I'd get an opportunity again and um, I look where we are now it feel, feels pretty good you know, the hat trick was amazing, and there's a lot of focus on that. But after the game, your head coach, Peter Laviolette, La- 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 said the goals are one thing, but the way he competed, the way he defended, the penalties he killed, the face-off battles he got into, the hits that he took, the hits that he gave, that's the best I've seen from him. Quote, it's really uh, heavy praise coming from the head coach. It, do you take a lot of pride in things that maybe the average fan might not notice or might not see? Yeah, I think so. I've always kind of... Um, took pride in being a detailed guy in the game, um, physicality-wise, face-off-wise. Um, always kind of called myself a two-way player, so um, I, I try to do it all out there, not just a defensive specialist. And uh, obviously, the offensive side of, uh, side of the game has been coming a little bit more lately, which is nice. But um, yeah, I just try to do it all over the rink. Colton Sisson's joining us. And then you got P.K. Subin. He said something else about you that I thought was interesting. He said, quote, I know that he was the captain of the American Hockey League team in Milwaukee for a little bit. He leads by example. He's willing to do all the dirty things. There are guys that you need in the playoffs that are like that. I mean, it's really high praise coming from a guy like that. So what's it mean to you to hear it from him? Yeah, it definitely does. Um, obviously, P.K. is a special player and a huge part of our team. Um, it feels nice to have uh, things like that said about you and your teammates that you respect. So. Uh, we have guys all all up and down our lineup that are like that, and it's a big reason why we're, we're still playing today. Now, PK also said that when he first got there, he felt like there was something special about the team and that it was a group that could win the Cup. I mean, what is it about this team that makes it so special? Uh, it's, it's tough to put your finger on, honestly. It's kind of just a vibe around uh, the dressing room, just, uh, just between us all. We all really just believe that we can win every single night that we step on the step on the ice and I think that's just been escalating um, the further along that we go and the more confidence that we have in that. And not only that, the team is so resilient. There's so much grit. I mean, Ryan Johansson goes down, Mike Fisher goes down, and when they went down, Laviolette was looking for a center who can match up with Ryan Getzlaff. What was it like then to go up against Getzlaff? Yeah, it was, I knew it was going to be a tall order. It was going to be a challenge and um, I, was, I was up for it. Obviously, we needed a, uh, several guys to step up. We had uh, Frederick Gaudreau come in the lineup and it was his first playoff action. Hasn't played very many uh, NHL games in general and he just played 
spectacularly. So um, we had a few of us that needed to step up in a big way. Hey, Colton, obviously the guy who steps up every single night is your goaltender, Pekka Rene. I mean, there's so much talent, and then when you've got a guy like that between the pipes, how much more confidence does it give you to know that he's going to be out there and he's playing the way he is right now? Oh, he's so he's playing so well for us right now. He's he's our best player every single night we step on the ice. So um, we have nothing but confidence with Pex behind us. He's uh, he's a special player, and um, uh, what a difference maker he's been. Before I let you go, one thought about Smashville. Every time I have Peter Laviolette on or any of your teammates, we always end up talking about the fans in Smashville. I mean, can you describe what's it like to play in front of them, and then how would you describe the vibe around the city right now? It's it's crazy around the city right now. Um, I mean, obviously in our, in our building, it's it's the loudest that I mean I've ever experienced. I haven't been around for too long, but a lot of guys, a lot of veteran guys, have said the same. So I think we have one of the best atmospheres in, our, in Bridgestone around the league and um, just all over the city. It's, uh, it's just crazy. It's, it's pretty special. Yeah, you guys can tap into that, and I can see the, the kind of impact it might have on the home team. Can you see what it does to the opposition? Can you see how it might kind of get into their head a little bit? Do you see any kind of reaction that they that they give or they have? Yeah, I mean, it's it's never easy when you come into a, to a, a, an arena, and if they, if they get out to a good start with a couple of goals and get those – get that energy in the crowd and then keep it there it's uh it's tough to steal that momentum back so i think that can kind of get into the back of your head when uh you're coming into bridgestone sometimes so will you lock into game seven tonight and watch ottawa and pittsburgh or are you just kind of concerning yourself with yourself and not too concerned about that right now oh we'll be watching we'll be watching this year hopefully it'll be a good game obviously we have open arms to whoever uh we'll be playing against but uh yeah i got it tuned in for game seven of course and I've never understood your fascination with celebrities or public figures that gain any kind of weight whatsoever. That there's got to be some Google alert that all you clones have. Anytime somebody gains one or four or 50 pounds, you're all over it. And I said that's never, ever been my deal and it never will be, but you just will not let it go. But I can make an exception. An exception when an athlete has precipitous weight gain. Then it's fair game because athletes are different because that weight gain may affect their performance. Body as in, as temple. Body is their moneymaker. How can you not care about your body? That's the most important part of your job, to take care of your body. Yet some athletes don't for whatever reason. Some athletes have literally eaten themselves right out of a job, even right out of a career. And one guy who might be on his way is Panthers wide receiver Kelvin Benjamin. This is a conversation that I will entertain. Because he took some serious heat back in April when it was rumored that he weighed in at 280. 280 for a wide receiver. The Panthers denied that he weighed that much. But Ron Rivera, his coach, did admit he came in, quote, a little heavy. And if the coach copped to him being a little heavy, I'm going to assume that Rivera just thought he was fat. Then this past <laughs> week, some video and some pics surface. Now, you don't want to overreact to a six-second video. But there was a six-second video where he runs a pattern, he catches the ball, and I got to admit, man, dude looks doughy. He looks doughy. I don't want to overreact and go all lava take nation and try to break the internet by myself over a six-second video. But he looks doughy. He looks slow out of the gate. He didn't run an especially sharp route. And then on top of that, there's a picture that goes viral. And in this picture, he looks... How do I put this? He looks fat. Downright fat. Fat. Never mind wide receiver. My man is starting to look like a left tackle. 
Yahoo's Charles Robinson had this unbelievable tweet where he had two pictures of Benjamin side by side with the caption, quote, craziest thing about this comparison is Panthers Kelvin Benjamin is wearing shoulder pads on the left and doesn't on the right. And he's right. If you look at these two pictures side by side, he's twice the size on the right than he is on the left, and he's wearing pads on the left. He's twice the size without pads. There's two for me. On the left, he's got a jawline. On the left, he looks like the dude he used to be. His face is all chiseled. He's got that jawline. He looks like, you know, the way an NFL receiver is supposed to look. But on the other side, he looks like, he looks like, well, well, Twitter took care of that for us. At Loaded Box tweeted, Kelvin Benjamin is the kid who's too old to go trick-or-treating that's trying to squeeze into a youth football jersey. A Bake 6 tweeted, Kelvin Benjamin looks like he ate Eddie Lacy. PWN team tweeted, Kelvin Benjamin has been practicing with Ham Newton this offseason. All Day BA83 tweeted, Kelvin Benjamin looks like he has some kids punt, pass, and kick competition jersey on. And there is so much more where that came from. Even worse, he told the team website last week, quote, I need to be in the best shape of my life. That's what we're getting to. I have to get back to being dominant, end quote. You have to be in the best shape of your life or the worst shape of your life. Because dude looks like he's probably 30 or 40 pounds overweight, at least. You know, again, maybe we're being unfair. Maybe we're all overreacting to one six-second video. Maybe the video lies. Maybe he was told to go half speed or three-quarter speed. Maybe it was the last route of the day. But it sure looks like he's been doing fewer in-and-out routes and more in-and-out runs. Dude looks fat. I only do this as an absolute last resort. I only break the glass in case of an absolute emergency. But I think we have a full-blown emergency on our hands today, Alvin. Go ahead and hit it. Go with your three-bell alarm. Hit them all. Out of shape. My man is a shape. And around circle. We got to go three-bell alarm here. So what I'm saying is if there was ever a day for you to do what you clones do, do it today. My man does not look right. Luckily, the season does not start tomorrow. But the season could start in three years and it might not be enough time. It's that bad. If it sounds like an air raid, it's even worse. does not get my man on a treadmill and to push away from the table. I'm not sure what will. That is not an eclipse. That's Kelvin blocking out the sun. Stay indoors. Stay indoors. This is an emergency. Stay indoors. Do not leave your home. If you have a basement, go into it. If you have a panic room, lock the door. If you have a pantry, lock the door. If you have a refrigerator, lock that too. If there's food, lock your door. All right, I think he's got the message. Hey, look, that's not something I wanted to do. That's not something I look forward to doing. I'm not that kind of guy. I don't have that in me. But again, if you're an athlete, 
Five pounds over the offseason is one thing, maybe even 10 pounds. But again, any athlete will tell you it's much easier to stay in shape than it is to get into shape. And there's not an offseason. You cannot use OTAs or spring training or training camp to get into shape. It's a full-time job. It's year-round. You're not supposed to get out of shape. And maybe if you have off-season surgery and you're doing rehab and you can't do what you normally do and you have to stay off your feet, that's one thing. But I'm looking for somebody to say that, and I'm not hearing it. I'm not hearing the Panthers saying, yeah, here's the reason why he came in a little heavy. And he's not a little heavy. So what I'm saying is, clones, much like that day where I say to you, personal appearance is show fodder. Today's that day like 11, 11, 11. You can have 11 seconds. Today's one of those days. Welcome to the jungle. A very good Monday to you. My name is Jim Rome. Hope you had an awesome weekend. Lots to get to on this Monday. In fact, I can't wait to get at it. We are all over the map. My thoughts first on last night's game, Cavaliers and Celtics. Yeah! Open three, kicks in. Couldn't get into a rhythm tonight. Is that nice question when we lose? I'm sure I said they lose in five, but there's no way you can sweep a proud team like that. The truth be told, it should have been a sweep. And if LeBron had shown up and handled his business, it would have been a sweep. We were playing with you, Kenny. Howard Beck is my guest. What the Warriors have constructed is possibly the most talented lineup in the history of the game. I think it'll be a battle. I think it's going to be a phenomenal series. But I absolutely think that the Warriors are going to be fair. From way out! Oh, hop in the Cordoba, baby! We're going bowling! You simply cannot kill these guys. They will not stop! Ever. Just when you think they're toe-tagged, they go out and they drop a TD with the extra point on the Sands. Megatron, thanks for everything. Thanks for putting yourself out there. Thanks for getting concussed and not telling us. Thanks for doing everything you could to make us a better team. Give us 300 grand. And that really is unbelievable. unbelievable. Tyler Kepner is my guest. Mike Trout comes to New York to play the Mets this weekend. We're witnessing the best player uh, we've seen in a long time. We're seeing a historic player here, one of the best maybe of all time. The sea lion gets up and grabs her dress and pulls her right into the drink. I mean, it's terrifying. Oh, my God. She falls into the water, but notice, not out of frame. Hey, hey, hey. The boom is in the shot. Can we get one more shot? Sweetie, can you yell a little bit louder this time? What's a guy have to do to get some more frack? I got that out of the video. The West came through the Alamo. It now comes through the Golden Gate Bridge. Easy, if not boring. What are those two teams supposed to do? Not try to dominate? The playoffs have been pretty unwatchable. That's not Kevin Durant's fault. You have a problem? Turn off your station. Right. Mike? Manu will get a big ovation. Ben Galler joining us. Manu Ginobili started last night. If that is his final goodbye, he went off on the highest note possible. I love seeing his wave to the crowd. I do. He shoots! He and that is a party. About 17,000 red solo cups short of an all-out house party. The heckling. The noise. The freaking catfish tossing. Everybody's welcome. I was at my motorcycle club yesterday. A bunch of us sitting around watching a hockey game. Jonathan in Nashville. Jonathan, nice to have you. What's going on? It's not Jonathan, it's Jeff. Lorenzo ah! Alexander, my guest. Disciplined myself. I had to cut out a lot of the cars, the desserts, all the stuff you love. Pancakes, one of my enjoyments. Had to cut that out. That's your great nephew, auntie. She's like, oh, yeah, they may have been public enemy number one then, but not now. Oh, yeah, they, they're still rats. Rats are not acceptable as cafe guests. Not in 1900 and not in 2017. And certainly nobody should be dining with a rat or paying 50 bucks to interact with a rat after a meal. It was tough to chase down the squirrely little servers when it came time to hostel up and uh, page your bill. Boxer Ray Beltran is my guest. When you connect with a punch like that, you feel like solid and soft at the same time. The contact with his shin, his body kind of like disconnects. You know it. You're on the air, Josh. You did it. You 
just get hooked. I could say I'm pretty much hooked in with this Preds team. Don't call too many hooking penalties. Ah! Josh, I hope that was worth it. He's trying to make hook a thing. You know, like Benny and Wisco made cheese a thing. Whoa! Whoa. comes up with a long lead for LeBron, oh! and he misses the dunk! As awkward as it was, he's allowed one of those, and it could happen to anybody, including him. Waste the greatest outlet pass ever. Whoa! Really? Yeah, really? The 80s are dead. So is Meg Ryan's face. Ooh. Drones can't play beach volleyball. Oh, and I, for one, can't see this movie. It stinks like slider. Stink. I'm just hoping that if I hit the brakes, this whole thing flies right by. But it hit the brakes, so fly right by. <gasps> e! D! O! P! G! U! And Top Gun! Really? Nick Castellanos is our guest. I'm sitting there with a cast on my hand eating ice cream, and I didn't really like the way that I felt about myself at that point in time, so I said, I'm done. done. Chad, I know you're going to feel the need to respond to this. Don't even bother. You're not in my league song. Kale, you're an idiot. You sound like you're constipated. That is a disgusting act. Tim Beckham is my guest. You dropped that game, hey, Tim, to the Angels last yeah, night. Can you speak up a little bit? Yeah, I got no problem with that. Can you hear me now? Mm-hmm. All right, that's better. Yeah, that's Good. Better you got it. Because I'm turning a three-day weekend into a four-day weekend. Not that I want to be up in your face about it at all. Right in my face. I get a lot of vacation, so I take a lot of vacation. I think the proof is in the film for the past two years. He should have said. You want to know why I think I'm a starting quarterback? Because I'm really tall and really rich. Bam! TJ Ford, my guest. My body shut down. I hit the floor. I could not move again. I just think mentally, and you know, God just giving me the strength. I just took my time and I land there. My, my body came back quicker than it ever had. That is not an eclipse. That's Kelvin blocking out the sun. Stay indoors. Stay indoors. This is an emergency. Stay indoors. If you have a pantry, lock the door. If you have a refrigerator, lock that too. Ty Montgomery is my guest. Decide to keep your number 88. You know, I just didn't see the need to change it, and I like it. It speaks to me. It speaks to who I am, and I think it tells my story. I'm your mom's favorite caller. We got all the best oceans. You just body slammed me and broke my glasses. Colton Sissons. So will you lock in a game seven tonight? Oh, we'll be watching. Got a two days for game seven, of course. Oh, it'll be a good game. And Veal, Washington. And oh, my God. Stop the car, Mabel. Always come around when we lose, I swear. <laughs> Spaghetti with Gaetti. <gasps> really? Kelvin Entemans. Oh. <laughs> you gotta leave. Sing to- Good night now. I appreciate you locking this thing in. Thank you very much. Hit subscribe if you have not done so already. Tell a friend if you haven't done that. And most of all, trust the podcast. Check back after the holiday weekend. We will have more of the Daily Jungle then. See you. We're out.